For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, here today taking a, a break from the draft, draft stuff and uh, here to talk wide receiver targets today is Zach Cantor. Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself, Ken? No complaints. Uh, happy to have you on. And, uh, you know, we've certainly been doing draft content for quite a while here. But the uh, wide receiver targets, an interesting question now for the Ravens with Marquise Brown gone. And uh, we're recording this at 430 on May 13th. So something may well happen by the time this airs. But uh, the Ravens have apparently just lost Jarvis Landry to the Saints. Indeed. Tell us uh, what you want to talk to us about. First of all, where can people talk football with you, though? Um, you can find me on Twitter at perp underscore black veins. Um, I'm always on there talking either football or Italian food, one or the other. So, What was the other thing? Italian so food. Sorry. Italian I'm, I'm, food. All yeah, right. There's a lot of all Italian right, news about me circling around today. <laughs> all right. Well, very cool, Zach. Uh, so uh, talk to us a little bit about wide receiver targets and uh, how'd you break it down in terms of uh, – Who's going to get the football? Because that's always a big question with Lamar Jackson. Well, well, the one thing we know is that Mark Andrews is going to get the football. And it seems like based on a lot of these offseason workout videos we're seeing, it seems like Bateman's going to get the football. It seems like those two are – Lamar and Bateman are really working on building up chemistry together, really trying to get on the same page. It really – it looks like Bateman is the number one wide receiver now with Brown gone. And, I again, it's hard to wonder if – it's hard not to wonder if – the Ravens knew this was kind of coming last year and the pick of Bateman last year maybe meant a little bit more than we thought at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but, that's uh, certainly looks like a good pick in, in, in the fact that they, uh, they lost Brown, obviously. Yeah. And now they've got a uh, clear need for, for another guy. 
Um, I don't think it needs to be a bona fide number two guy. We'll get into that in a sec, but they definitely just need a veteran in the room. Their most experienced guys are uh, Duvernay and Prochet as third year guys. And then the most guy with like, I guess you could say game experience, like being the guy is going to be Bateman. But again, he Mm -hmm. had what less than half a season as a rookie. So he's not exactly, you can, uh, can, um, hope that he's going to pick up that leadership role in the locker room all of a sudden. Sure. Uh, so I've got, I'm, I'm writing down a number of names right now that we'd, we're going to have to hit on in this contest, but where do you want to start? Um, well, we can start with the guy who just went away with uh, Jarvis Landry and where I thought he was going to fit into this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is one of the definite options that they can look at. If they aren't looking to fill a specific role on the offense and they just want a vet that they know can come in, be the guy that catches five to eight balls every game, gets you 50 to a hundred yards every game and that they know can be solid every day is going to be durable. And that's an option. A lot of people are going to talk about one of the biggest arguments against Landry besides the money he's probably going to take is his redundancy. Is he redundant against all these other slot wide receivers that they have on the roster. And I don't think so, because I think if you've got a guy like Landry that you can depend on, suddenly you can take a guy like Tylen Wallace and you can experiment with him being the main X guy. He can take over the Boykin role, which what he did in college very well. You can take Bateman and Duvernay and suddenly just treat them like deep guys. Like you can just have them run a bunch of 10 yard plus routes and have them be the deep threats that, um, Hollywood was and Holly again like Hollywood's one of the most underrated things about Hollywood is that he was great in the short intermediate range he was so twitchy able to stop on a dime his routes were really crisp and clean and I think that was a really underrated thing about him and Bateman can do that and Landry would have done that as well so I don't think that would have been an issue I think Landry would have fit here well with that yeah other other teams really had to respect uh Hollywood speed certainly and that was a lot of what what gave him value but by the end of last year, he's being used in a way that wasn't productive at all in terms of being used as a short target for a bunch of five-yard throws from from Huntley, uh, which really reduced his value greatly down the stretch. Yeah, I don't know. I I saw a tweet the other day that said there were like maybe five quarterbacks in the NFL last year that averaged less than six yards per attempt when you take out like RPOs and checkdowns and all that. And uh-huh. Huntley was one of those. I think the offense changed drastically when Lamar got hurt. And I don't think that was more like Hollywood is being used wrong. And I think they were just doing with the offense what they could with the change to quarterback from, from Lamar to Huntley. Right. I, I agree. I mean, they, they were having this, what I call it a scheme for pocket awareness because Huntley really didn't know when the rush was coming they had to get the ball out consistently very quickly. And his, I, I have his yards per target by game here. Um, anyway, they, they they went way down uh, in the second half of the year. Um, I'm looking at the – yeah. Anyway, way down in the second half of the year and 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 particularly down in weeks 12 and, all, and later. Yeah, I just I, – Huntley – I don't think they trusted Huntley as much as they would have trusted – Lamar to work those kind of longer developing plays. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, just uh, going to going to call these out a different way, but it, it against Miami in that game where the rush was all over them. Obviously, 
this was this was Lamar, but he had you know 13 targets for 37 yards. And then against Cleveland, 10 for 51, and then seven for 55 against Pittsburgh. That's okay. Eight for 41 against Cleveland, 14 for 43 against Green Bay. That was Huntley. Nine for 45 against Cincinnati, eight for 28 against the LA Rams, and eight for 27 against Pittsburgh. So did not it did not end well here for Hollywood in terms of of really getting to run a lot of routes that were that were deeper down the field. Yeah, he just again he said it last year. He just didn't end on a strong note. And whether that was him or whether that was um, the offense changing for Huntley or whether that was Huntley himself just not being able to play as well. Um, you can't be really too sure. It's probably a combination of all three. But um, the offense certainly died down after Lamar went out. Right. All right. So, first of all, did you work from a set total of targets and, and then kind of divide that out, or how did what was your process like for this? Um. No, my process really wasn't this. It was more trying to find who was going to fill the role of the okay. next guy up because you lose. You lose Sammy, and again, like everybody, like you can say what you want about Sammy, but Sammy was a big part in a lot of games, especially early on in the year. He had uh, like a really big catch, probably four or five games in a row. I know he had the big um, long completion from Lamar against the Raiders week one. He had one against the Chiefs week two. He had the fourth and 19 to set up Tucker's field goal against the Lions. Mm -hmm. Um believe he had one against the Chargers as well at some point. And then I think the last catch he had was that last Steelers game with Huntley. And then I don't think he saw another target after that. So Sammy was a hit or miss, but he was certainly important early on in the year. Um, and then Hollywood is Hollywood. Like Hollywood was Lamar's like guy besides Andrew since 2019. Like even when he was dealing with that Lynn's Frank injury. So you have to, those targets have to go somewhere, and they're not just going to all suddenly be dumped onto Bateman. Um, I don't, I don't personally love Duvernay as a pure wide receiver. I think he's very straight line speed. He takes a while to get up into gear. He's not very shifty. He's not the best route runner. Again, I'm, I, I'm not giving up on him. I think he's got some, probably the second best hands on the team after Prochet. He's got. Some like he probably is the fastest wide receiver on this team now, so I'm not going to give up on him just yet. But I'm not ex- exactly thrilled about him being a guy that you depend on. Crochet okay. is a guy I've been high on forever. I was high on him before the draft. Um, there was just something about him. He's not the most athletic. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy. He doesn't do anything super crazy. He's got like a bunch of highlight reel catches, and that's kind of what he does. Is he's just got great hands. And he doesn't drop the ball. And somehow he finds a way to get open. It was ridiculous. You watch his college tape. And they they gave him screens, which, again, is weird for a guy that isn't abnormally fast or anything or isn't mm-hmm. abnormally big, doesn't break a lot of tackles. But they gave him screens, and he somehow found a way to consistently get the first down or get to the end zone. Um, so I'm very high on Prochet. I think he can be the starting slot if you want to. He just figures out a way, way to make separation in routes, he figures out a way to catch the ball. He's just a guy that I'm very high on. I hope to see him get 30 to 40 catches minimum this year. Well, good good catch rate was kind of a little bit hidden last year, obviously, in in, in what went on. 
but uh, his catch rate actually was 80%, only 20 targets last year. But he had stretches where he, I think he had one game where seven of eight uh, he caught. I'm excited to see that get applied to more catches. And I would agree. I think that, that if he ends up in the slot, uh, I'm relatively happy about it in terms of, of what he could deliver for the Ravens. Uh, he's the he's the guy I have hope into. Devin Duvernay, um, he's going to have to run some of those nines. He really is. And and there's real questions about him tracking the football. Yeah, he's not definitely – I don't – there's a misconception about his time at Texas. I even thought this as well for a long time where he was like because of his speed, he was thought of like this deep nine route guy. He really just ran a ton of screens. They like let him right. catch the ball early. And they let him use his speed and his physicality and make plays on his own. And unfortunately, a lot of the running back physicality, yada, yada, that was talked about for him when he was coming out of the draft just doesn't seem to have transferred. Like You just don't see him bounce off hits as much as he did in college, um, which is disappointing because I like that was the part I was probably most excited for was that they had this track star who had this running back body who was just going to speed, bounce off one guy and be able to get 20 30 yards consistently and like we've seen him do that on sweeps and um, reverses and stuff like that but like the screen game just has not been there for him um and like he's also not very great at like reading leverage on blocks and like following screens in that way yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, they they have they Ravens have traditionally not had good screen blocking because they they have trouble getting elephants out in front of the, the herd of elephants out in front of the play. Linderbaum should change that. They should have you know so a little bit more speed to to get out in front of a play and make one good block. Uh, but that that really hasn't been something that they've been able to afford him. The the misuse of Duvernay, in my opinion, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Is is that I don't think the Ravens have gotten him involved in the backfield the way they could have. He was the guy, I, I thought, you have an entire year where you don't have one guy who presents a, a, a credible edge threat out of the backfield. And you particularly need that if you're going to run sidecar with Lamar, uh, if you're trying to threaten three areas of the field. So you need somebody to, to be able to stand next to Lamar, threaten the opposite edge of the field, basically with speed, so Lamar can take the ball up the middle or hand it off and you know have that credible choice. The Ravens, with their set of elder statements, statesmen backs, didn't have that. And they didn't turn to Duvernay, who was a, a very obvious choice to me. Duvernay definitely would have been fun to see back there. They just haven't. I don't think they've really used him at all there, which is like, again, people want to make the Debo Samuel comparisons with Duvernay. And he just doesn't. He's just not. He's not that athlete. He doesn't have the horses back there that Debo has. He's not as shifty as Debo. And I think. That's kind of part of the problem is they don't trust him to be shifty. He doesn't, again, like I mentioned earlier, he doesn't read leverage. So I don't know if they trust him to do that running back role. I hope that what it's been is they tried it in practice and they were just like, yeah, this isn't going to work. He just can't read blocks. He can't read leverage, which is annoying when you have guys like, when you have a guy like Lamar, who's so good at it and you have um, like Andrews, I think is pretty good at reading leverage and like, Mm-hmm. talk to your wide receiver room new Renee like you've got a ton of guys who were great at this Hollywood was great at this. that's why it's why part of his route running was so good is because he was able to leverage guys and get open that way and they respected his seam his speed of course but I agree at the top of the route he had some he had some significant wiggle where he didn't wasn't able to translate it Hollywood really wasn't able to translate it after the catch 
He, he did very little to read leverage and make people miss after the catch. You, just too many opportunities just going down to the ground with the football. Yeah, I don't I don't know what that was about. He definitely showed a lot more this past year than he had his first two years. There was definitely a lot more um, yards after catch for him. But yeah, overall, like for a guy that knows how to get defensive backs turned around, he didn't he didn't do it enough for me. But he definitely there were some there were like during that Colts game, he had a lot of yards after the catch that really helped that team that second half during that comeback. All right, let's uh, let's go on to a couple other topics here. The first is, um, what do you do with Tylen Wallace in this office now, offense now? You mentioned just giving him a chance to be the X. Uh, that kind of makes sense to me. It may also be that Bateman is a, is a full time X. Uh, how do you see him being used? Um, I I really just want him to be the X outside guy. I love like if you go back and watch Tylen Wallace's time at Oklahoma State, that's what he did. He just went up. Mm-hmm. And just brought the ball in all the time. There's a reason why, like, even Des Bryant, like, when, and again, Des went to Oklahoma State, which is why he, but like, Des was hyping um, Tylen Wallace up before the draft, like, constantly tweeting about him while he was in college. Like, Des was after this guy, and it's because he plays that same, again, like, no comparisons. You can't compare anybody to, to, um, to right. Des Bryant. But yeah, that's what Tylen Wallace does, is he was a, he's a good high point catch um catch receiver that's what he does really well and i'd like to see them um use him that way they say like we keep talking about a lack of outside targets i think you've got two really good ones or honestly three three really good ones in bateman andrews and wallace and again like like andrews you can say what you want about andrews but half of his time is spent as a wide receiver yes he's a tight end he's gotten very good at blocking and lining up in line but like part of like what makes Andrews so special is that he can line up outside like a like a wide receiver and beat corners like he beats corners regularly he beat Jalen Ramsey all the time whether it was in the slot or in on the outside he's I'm afraid there is going to be more uh, uh difficulty for Andrews this year in finding open areas in zone because he's going to be more of the focus of the defense and, and we saw in a fair number of clips over the last two years, really over the last three, um, the ability of Hollywood to peel off the top of the defense that would have otherwise been left to cover Andrews. And I, I, I have a hard time seeing how one of the other receivers, you know, certainly not Prochet, uh, probably not Duvernay, is going to be able to do the same things that, that Hollywood was to a defense to, to make it easier to create more space for Andrews. Yeah, and I think that needs to be the next like topic of discussion is where do they go to find that? Okay, um, there's go a, ahead. There's a lot of guys out there that, um, like again, Landry's gone. Um, the something that just happened again today earlier, um, probably like an hour ago, was um, Brian Edwards got traded from the Raiders for a fifth round pick, and I'm sitting there like, did did we not call about that? Because I would have been pounding the table for Brian Edwards for a fifth. Are you kidding me? That would have been. He was such an interesting guy during the draft. He was his stock fell because of the um. The, I think he was dealing with a like a broken leg or something. Um, but he he was a guy that I wish they had drafted because he would have like look look what it look what he does now. I know people don't think that highly of him, but he was he was doing work against us week one last year, and I think he's got a lot more potential, and I'd love to see him in this offense. Yeah, that, oh. that uh, would be the kind of 
kind of pick that would be good. And if that's not a that's not a high cost. And that's you know a, a player on his rookie deal with two years left who has ten point three yards per target career. That's a that would have been a quite. I would have been very happy trading a pick, a future pick, and I'm not normally never happy with that uh, for a player like Edwards. That that makes a lot of sense. There's a there's a couple other guys that I like. The, the popular one that's uh, among Ravens fans right now seems to be Darius Slayton from New York, from the New York Giants. Um, a lot of people don't like his um, his uh, catch percentage. I believe it was below 50 percent this past year, but he would do what you need to do. You don't have to use him all the time. He would come in when you need somebody to take off the top off the defense. He can do that. You've got you do have to respect his speed. And I like again, sure the catch the catch percentage isn't there, but I'd like to see him get a season with Keith Williams and T. Martin, who are supposedly these wide receiver gurus. If we we want to start talking about like if the Ravens are going to be able to develop wide receivers, let's start bringing some guys in. Another guy that people aren't high on, but you could probably talk him into, especially if it's cheap after seeing what Brian Edwards just went for. If you can get somebody like Jalen Rager, and again, like everybody was freaking out about Jalen Rager when they were talking about trading Chuck Clark, that's not good value trading a starter for a maybe starter player. But Jalen mm-hmm. Rager would fill what you need in this offense. So let's go back to Slayton for a second, because if Edwards is going to cost you a fifth round pick, and I don't know if there's some off field issues with Edwards or some other component of an injury or whatever that may be left over, but what would you give for Slayton if you give a fifth for Edwards? Throw a sixth. <laughs> I, I think you could throw I, a sixth and easily grab him. Maybe I mean, I, seventh. Yeah, I, I think he'll be released. I mean, I, I'm not even sure if he makes the makes the Giants this year. I think he, he's a guy who ends up being available. He's a fourth-year player. Uh, he's got a 52% career catch percentage. Uh, just, just, there's nothing to like about the guy. 5.8 yards per target last year. And I know it's a, it's a crappy system and a lousy quarterback, but that's still – that's really bad. Uh, I, I have a hard time believing he's going to be worth anything. Slayton's name came up a lot uh, during the discussion of Chuck Clark's possible trade because, you know, the Chuck Clark might go back to the Giants, but Darius Slayton and Bradbury are two of the names they throw out there. And and, and I'm like, the, the, the combined value of the two of them is nothing. I... Uh, <laughs> and, and so, well, I mean, Bradbury's signed for $13 million for this next year. So, oh, so well, yeah, he really, like he really has Bradbury, no that value. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. I'm very. You can sign I'm, him. <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a DB guy. Like people that have been that read my Twitter do. Uh, I'm a very big DB guy. I'm I'm like screw the wide receivers at this point. Let let two of the UDFA's make it. Let's see what Prochet and Wallace and Duvernay have this year. Bring me James Bradbury as the Marcus Peters replacement. Give him like a anywhere between a three and five year deal as the guy that takes over for Marcus when he's done. And I'm happy. Just give me the greatest secondary of all time with Kyle Hamilton, Marcus Williams, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, and James Bradbury. Are you kidding me? I, I'd, I'd be okay if they went out to sign Bradbury. Obviously I really like the the length and I like, he's been a better player than he was this last year for the giants. So I think there's a, there's a, there's a chance certainly that he can pull it back together and he's got to succeed with this group of safeties oh, and, and yeah. the way the Ravens are set up to play zone defense this year. He's, he's got to be able to succeed. And under the those talent terms. surrounding him with market with yeah. uh, Marlon and Marcus Peters. Are you kidding me? He'd be, he'd be it good. It'd be in, insane. In I, I, I tell you what, I'd be happy to roll into Cincinnati going against their trio wide receivers with that. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any any question about that. It's not the that wasn't the problem with the trade of Clark for Bradbury. The problem is all about the salary. You're yeah, picking yeah up when, 13, the Giants are in a position where they have to cut him. So, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't do that. But the, the other guy that would would have been legitimately interesting would have been Kadarius Tony. That, yeah, who, that was how, how would he fit in this offense? He is probably one of the like a top five percent, probably top one or two percent. In the NFL, I don't think there's another wide receiver that can do the things that Kadarius Tony does. There isn't anybody that is just nearly as electric in their routes as he is. He can make moves that quite literally I don't think anybody else in the NFL, and that's including Lamar. Like Lamar's a different build than Kadarius Tony, but Kadarius Tony can string together like literally combos of just jukes and spins and moves and these jump cuts that just shouldn't be physically possible. He is electricity in a bottle. And if you want to talk about Yak and the, like this team has had a problem with yards after catch, he is a guy that would come in and literally throw a lightning bolt into that stat category. The, the yardage that he could rack up here would be insane. I what that was my that was that's always been my guy like before the draft. I like when as soon as Kadarius Tony was reportedly like they they were shopping him and he's like They've had issues with him. I, you know what? I don't know what's going on with the internal issues there, but that is the Giants organization. I don't trust anything going on over there. Right. I have full faith in this locker room and this front office to handle whatever personalities they bring in. They can bring him in and probably handle whatever it is. I would trust that he would get along with Lamar and the rest of the guys here. I uh, he is probably still like my he's one of my top targets right now. Like so, if if they. If the, if the Giants actually wanted Chuck Clark, and and they well might, and they might consider trading Kadarius Tony for him, but the Ravens would certainly have to throw in change because Kadarius Tony's on his first contract with three years left. Clark has two years on a team friendly deal. Uh, there is something apparently wrong, or the Giants wouldn't be shopping Tony at all because not like they're stocked with a bunch of talented receivers or anything. Uh, what what is it? Uh, what what would you be willing to toss in along with Chuck Clark to get Kadarius Tony? I think if you're including Chuck Clark, again, the Giants are getting one. You got to remember the connection to Wink. Like if the Giants want mm-hmm. Chuck Clark, it's because of Wink. And if Winks wants Chuck Clark, he's probably begging over there every day. Like, hey, is there any news on Chuck Clark? Are we getting any close to getting Chuck Clark? Like if they want Chuck Clark, it's because of him. It's because Wink trusts him so much. He wants him to lead that defense over there. And so I don't think you'd have to throw in much more. I honestly don't think – I think that the Giants are probably getting a better player. Like the Giants – it sounds like the Giants need to get rid of Kadarius Stoney. He's a problem in the locker room. They don't want him around. They can't have him around. It, like if they're getting rid of Kadarius Tony, it's because they don't have any leverage. I don't think it's the same with Chuck Clark. Like Chuck Clark hasn't – like there hasn't been as many things. Like he might have an issue with the way they've been doing it. Full disclosure, I fully expect Chuck Clark to be part of this team next year. I don't think mm-hmm. he goes anywhere right now. I just don't see it. Harbaugh has already said they want him here. Yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't matter what they say. They're not going to give you the full story right now. But I no. will say that that I want Chuck Clark to be here. And I think if he's here, he still wears the green dot and plays every snap. And if, if, if despite the fact that they'll have Hamilton and Williams, they'll find out how to get Hamilton in the lineup. They'll move him around. They'll play him, you know, 75% of downs probably as a rookie, but not 100 but Clark will still play 100. Williams will still effectively play 100% of snaps where healthy uh, for those guys. So 
Ravens are are blessed right now in the in the safety room. If they give up that advantage, it's, it's one of the big advantages the defense is the defense has, and I would really hate to see it happen. And I, Kadarius Tony, I, I like him as a receiver. I I just I'm I think given what wide receiver contracts have been, they've got to have better offers than say Clark and a fourth, which I think is about the the highest I'd be willing to go. Not Clark and a third. I I think you I don't think you have to give up like I like my thing is I think it's probably Clark and there's probably like a pick swap somewhere like maybe like a pair of fourths get swapped between the team fifths okay. maybe like a fourth and a fifth but and whatever like whoever's fourth gets sent for a fifth I don't think it'd be straight up like Clark and a pick for Tony like I I know he's a first round wide receiver and all that but He's literally just in his second year, and they're already getting rid of him. You don't have much leverage if you're the Giants and you're doing that, right? So, so, so obviously, some something is wrong. There's so, there's something going on there, and I don't again, like I don't think it'd be an issue if he were to come to Baltimore, but it's clearly an issue up for that uh, for them up there in New York. So again, I my thing I've been saying for this whole time before I was saying like when it was when Bradbury was on there, I was saying give me uh, Kadarius Tony and Bradbury for Chuck Clark and a fourth and then give Bradbury an extension and try to reduce that cap hit. I mean, there's no point in putting Bradbury in the trade when he has to be released in order to make a new contract. So I, I, that's, that was my whole problem with Bradbury being, being part of the deal. But anyway, we, we, we understand each other, I think on this one, let's, let's move ahead and talk about some other names that are currently with the Ravens. So obviously a lot was made of the fact they drafted additional tight ends. Uh, You got some, Really pure receiving tight ends likely was a move guy in college. I don't know if that's going to really continue. He doesn't really have the size to be a Ravens move guy in, in the offense that that uh, Roman seems to like to run. He certainly does have inline and slot characteristics that that we've seen from a lot of uh, uh, other Ravens tight ends like Andrews and Heap and, and such. Yeah, the whole likely over to wide, ever, wide receiver thing is – Interesting. I don't think it's. I don't think it's one of those things that you can really bank on. Like it's something they might experiment with. I don't even know if they do. I think they do like him as a smaller move. Maybe one of the guys that you can use as like. Say you want to have him file in for Boyle, and he's not going to be able to block the way Boyle does. But suddenly you've got a guy who is in Boyle's role. Maybe you can have him block similarly if you can teach him all enough, but he adds a lot more receiving things on if you're if you want if you want that extra receiving threat. I don't think I think his his 40 was a little disappointing, but I don't think it matched his his film speed. But again, mm-hmm. I don't think speed is his like thing, so I don't tr- again, I don't know if I trust him as a pure wide receiver. I think he definitely stays tight end it's just it's just a matter of what his role because i do that you're right he is too small to be a ravens move tight end but they'll they'll figure out a role for him somewhere as a tight end right what the, what they did a lot in 2019 with hayden hurst was to line him up in that diamond formation in the backfield and they could go back to that uh i i, I really believe the ravens are going to do well to put 13 personnel on the field as often as they can it forces defensive coordinators into bat into difficult choices and so if they if they do that, they'll they'll make it difficult for them to decide exactly what they want. Teams that have three good safeties probably in a slightly better position than teams that don't. And there's a lot of teams out there that don't really have 
three good safeties they can turn to that they can really trust to cover or, or linebackers that they can trust to cover a tight end, which are extremely rare in the NFL these days. How many teams do have three good safeties? I mean, the Ravens have three good safeties right yeah. now, and they're having but, an issue because one of them is unhappy about the fact that they have three good safeties. He's like, well, I feel kind of left out now. Like, what what am I doing here? Now he wants to be – now he's, like, causing issues if, about being if traded. If Clark were to leave, if Clark were to leave, the Ravens still probably have four good safeties on this team that that's, I would put in the true. category because they have Stone, who certainly can play the back end, and they have they – have, uh, uh, and and you move Hamilton up to to take a different role, and they have Jefferson because I mean Jefferson is at a great point in his career where he realizes there's probably not another really big contract. He's playing for a contract this year. In a lot of ways, he's playing to be a um, multi-year, one-year deal Raven, in much the way Levine and McPhee and other players like that were that that really helped the team, uh, you know, f- f- over the course of several years. You know, it's interesting because I think there's a very good chance that Tony Jefferson is going to be cut this year. And it's not a matter of they don't want him. They do want him. But they, they need to make roster space uh, for a guy that they need to get through under the, the initial starting 53. And there's almost nobody else. There is literally almost nobody else on the whole roster who meets that veteran status. And, uh, and uh, you know the Ravens could make that handshake, wink, wink deal without subjecting a younger player to waivers. So I, I really love the Ravens safety depth is what I'm getting at. No, I, the, the, one of the first like things I thought when um, Levine said he was retiring and moving to a coaching role, I was like, okay, well that makes Jefferson Jefferson co-cap 2.0. Like it made so much yeah. sense. And like, yeah. he's going to be that guy that stays around. He's going to be a great special teams leader. He's going to be the guy that can play in like heavy safety um, packages. And he's going to be the guy that if you need to do a handshake deal, cause say, say the roster isn't impacted enough by IR and pup guys at the beginning of the year. And you've got to like, you got to get under that 53. What Jefferson, I don't think Jefferson's going to like have an issue. Like, yeah, we're going to sign you. We just need to make sure we get like, he's going to, he's going to be that handshake deal guy. And he's going to be a Raven for a long time. I feel like. Right. I I would agree. Uh, Charlie Kolar. We didn't talk about uh, definitely big, soft hands, large catch radius, a lot to like as a, a guy in space, they're going to need to find him space. He's going to need to be able to create space and body up well uh, in the NFL. I, I'm not 100% sure that's going to work out, but if he's the better receiving possibility than likely of the two of them, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, which is which is funny because likely is the guy that's talked about is like movie, like everybody's like, oh, he looks like a wide receiver, he moves like a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. The better receiver, just pure like catching the ball and being dynamic is going to be Kolar. Like his mm-hmm. his comp, his NFL comp, you constantly see thrown around is Mark Andrews, and that that tells you a lot. Um, he definitely needs to work on the blocking a little bit to be like a good tight end. But I think Kolar definitely is the more likely to to succeed guy here. Is there a guy among the Ravens' uh, second tier of uh, undrafted free agents that you like? Slade Bolden was a guy that was recruited by Harbaugh on the on the video, which was kind of interesting. But otherwise, he's unusual because he's a smaller guy. The rest of the receivers, they got a bunch of aircraft carriers they brought in to get a look at, at presumably, at who else can can play the X receiver position. Um, as far as those bigger guys, I really like Devin Williams. Devin Williams is a guy that I've, that I've really looked at. And then they've got one other guy that I see a lot of other people excited. I haven't looked at him just yet. I believe it's like Makai Polk or something like that. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm not sure exactly on the name. I think the last name is Polk, though. Yeah, but, it, um, but Makai Polk is is the wide receiver out of Mississippi State, who's six three, almost two hundred. Uh, he's also a young guy. He's only twenty still. Ooh, okay. And a lot of their other guys, like Benjamin Victor, is still around, and he's still he's not a rookie, but he's a first year player, so he's still got his full four years of of cheap control left. Uh, he's six four, two hundred. So they have you know a, a group of guys that are that are bigger. Uh, you mentioned Devin Williams, you mentioned, right? Yeah. Is, I like Devin yeah, Williams. He's, he's the six, five guy. Uh, I don't know anything about Raleigh Webb from the Citadel, but, uh, but, but he's another bigger guy. I mean, I'm like, I'm like 30 minutes from the Citadel out here in South Carolina. <laughs> so I know the Citadel. I don't know anything about him though. Um, and they got, they got two other guys. Shamar Bridges is six, four, two Oh seven. And Tevin Clark, Tevin Clark is six, three, one ninety three. So they really went for size at the wide receiver position, just in, in an extreme way. Bolden is, is the, is the exception, a smaller guy at 5'11", 189. And uh, uh, we'll see if, uh, if any of those really make a, make a roster this year, but there should be a lot of interesting second halves of preseason football. We get out of these guys. I'm very, I, well, I'm thinking there should be a lot of just preseason football overall. I don't, I, I, Harbaugh is very much a you burn me once kind of guy. It's not going to happen again. I don't think he lets the preseason injury bug come at him again. I think he's going to be very careful about who he plays and how many snaps guys get in uh, they, preseason they football. To, they're going to need to change more than their um, snap counts in the preseason games for that because they've had a lot of problems with with injuries and practices and whatnot. And I, I hope they're addressing this. I really do. It's Obviously, it's a very significant concern. I agree entirely, but uh, – uh, you know they, they've they've got to get into some other um, I, they got to identify some other factor that's causing them to have more injuries and whether that's a you know harder practices or more intense practices or it, it could just be you know it could be something as similar as what they're asking them to do in terms of lifting or calisthenics before they start anyway I don't I, I don't claim to know but I would like them to to figure it out that's for sure they um they brought in the guy from Tennessee who was like Tennessee's one of Tennessee's like higher up in the medical room they brought him in to be like the new lead in their medical room he's been responsible for like so like Tennessee drafted like um Jeffrey Simmons um, when he was injured mm-hmm. and look at Jeffrey Simmons now they drafted um who was this who was the cornerback like a year or two ago that had the back problems Caleb Farley Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly there, they, they just traded for, um, Robert Woods from LA who's coming off an injury. So Tennessee is one of those teams that doesn't really care about injuries. They come in, they trust their ability. I think the Ravens, um, want to get to that way, which is why they brought him in. And then they mentioned they changed up a bunch of their, the way they're doing their preseason stuff, their OTAs, their mini camps. They're clear. They're clearly worried about all that. They're working on that. Uh, that's not something that I'm going to claim to know about. I'm not going to try to dive too deep into that. I, I trust that they're doing everything they can to figure that out. What I All will right. dive deep into though, is these wide receivers though. Um, Again, Devin Williams. I like Slate Bolden is definitely the interesting one. Um, A lot of people have compared him to like a Hunter Renfro type a Julian Edelman type, just that. So it's again, it's that very similar smaller white guy who just finds a way to get open isn't super fast just a good technician fluid just a football guy like that 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 phrase a football guy no i like slate bolton he was he was useful at alabama the if bill belichick was upset and really wanted slate bolton on his team then i have no problem with the ravens bringing him in for a preseason and seeing what he's got 
All right. Well, that's fine. Obviously, not a guy who tests well, but uh, but a, a guy obviously has drawn some interest from some some NFL teams. Zach, appreciate having you on for this. This is a good way to do it. I, I think a lot of people try and divide up the targets rather than to really talk about the roles. And I appreciate talking about it this way. This was interesting. Really appreciated having you on for the show. Tell folks where they can talk football with you again. Again, I'm on Twitter at at perp underscore black veins. You can also catch some of my writing. I write for over at Baltimore Beatdown. That's at be more beatdown on Twitter. Um, other than that, I've got a couple things coming up. I'm doing some film rooms, film rooms soon on the two DBs. I've got Jalen Armour Davis. I got a bunch of clips, uh, clips pulled for him. So just be a lookout on my Twitter for that. Um, hopefully that should be coming out next week with, um, with somebody else. Okay. And yeah, that's all I really got cooking right now. Okay. Appreciate it. Uh, and other folks out there, if you're hearing this and you said, I can, I'd, I'd love to be on a film study short as well. Love to have you uh, send me a DM. They're always open on Twitter and I'll get back to you very quickly. We'll be talking show. This is a short turnaround here with Zach and uh, really appreciate being able to record this quickly. It'll actually be a while. I, like I said, we're recording this on May 13th. It'll be a while before this is actually posted. Uh, but we, we really do get back as quickly as we can to, to get recording. Zach, thanks a lot again for coming on. Yes, sir. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.